Hi there, I'm Lucas. And I'm Jesse. And this is Double Blind. If you're tired of science news being light in the details and hiding behind overhyped headlines, then this is the podcast for you. We want to have an honest discussion about details and methods and implications of results. So, if you're curious, come with us. We think it'll be a lot of fun. This week on Double Blind, atomic boundaries in the geologic record, and reading the minds of rats. Let's get started. All right, Jesse, you know what scientists love? (laughs) What do they love? Scientists love classification. Oh, my God. Scientists love to classify things and put things in boxes. How thrilling. Do you know what they love even more than that? Uh... Technicalities regarding classification. Okay. And so this this story is about a debate over a technicality of a classification. All right, hit me with it. It actually raises some big philosophical questions. It's about where we are on a geological context of the world and how we're altering the geologic world around us. We'll we'll set the stage here. We'll start from the very beginning. Okay, I'll close my eyes. Start for, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the beginning the universe was created. But in all seriousness, you know, about 4.6 billion years ago, the Earth was created. And everything we know about from then to now has come from the geologic record. So this is slowly accumulating layers of sediment gradually being turned into rock. And as this is happening, it's preserving some information about the environment where that rock formed. I mean, that could be in the form of a fossil, which tells us about the animals that lived there at the time. Or it could be some sort of chemical record of climate or the ocean, or the atmosphere, and the properties uh, of those at the time. Geologists, for practical purposes, divide this record into sections. This is to allow for correlation and discussion between rocks all over the world. Okay. So it's, it, it's really a matter of practicality. And it's divided based on time, divided based on when rocks formed. For example, there are a number of periods which uh, time is subdivided into. You've probably heard of one of them at least, the Jurassic period. Right. Right. Jurassic Park is named after the geologic time period in which that supposedly happened. So how long do these periods run for generally? So periods are on the order of millions of years, but those are subdivided into eons, Mm -hmm. which are on the order of tens of thousands of years. Geologists tend to gather and discuss how these should be divided. And the study that I'm talking about is talking about the most recent division. This is talking about where we are now. Okay. Where do we belong in the geologic record? Right. These divisions are often corresponding to uh, actual barriers in rock, boundaries in the sediment where something changes. Uh, So, for example, uh, the death of the dinosaurs due to an asteroid impact defines the boundary between the Cretaceous and the Paleogene periods. Okay. So that was a major Earth event, a big thing which changed the entire planet. And that's what we're looking at here. These, these are seams in the history of the world, basically. That is a perfect way to describe it. Seams in the history of the world. Okay. And when geologists decide to actually make one of these boundaries, they literally go out to a rock with what they call a golden spike. Uh, it's actually made of bronze, but golden spike sounds a lot cooler. And they mm-hmm. hammer it into a rock somewhere in the world and say, this is the boundary. And then they try to compare all the other locations where they think they see that boundary all over the world to that one place. Right. So we can get an idea of what happened in different places in the world when that major event occurred and before and after it. Precisely. Okay. So this is, this is about getting us all on the same page when we're talking about geology. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. 
Cool. We're currently in what's known as the Holocene Epoch. Okay. When did that start? That started about 11,000 years ago. Okay. Which was at the end of the last deglaciation. So our current epoch is defined by a region of essentially stable climate. Great. But recently, things on Earth have changed. Currently, we are the dominant geologic force on planet Earth. <laughs> yes. The climate is no longer stable as a result of us. We have profoundly altered the land and the water and the atmosphere to essentially reflect our human activities. Mm-hmm. So this begs a big question of, is this period still relevant? Or do we need something that reflects how humans are changing the world? Right, that we are a major geological event. Exactly. So about 15 years ago, the whole idea of the Anthropocene was proposed. So Anthropo, as in uh, anthropology, meaning human, and then uh, scene, meaning scene. I, I don't I I don't I don't know what scene means. It was the Holocene before it. Now it's the Anthropocene. I'm I'm not sure. So actually, I just looked it up, and the scene suffix means that it's related to the geologic period called the Cenozoic, which is the current one that we're in right now. Okay, that's wow. That makes a lot of sense. There you go. The more you know. The proposal of the Anthropocene has sparked a great debate over how we define it, and that's that's the paper I'm talking about now. It goes over three suggestions of how to start human influence on the geologic record. Okay. The first one proposes about 3,700 years ago. And that is the start of significant land use changes due to agriculture. Mm -hmm. Right? The second one is the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. So that's the beginning of the 19th century. It's the invention of the steam engine. And it's the start of significant carbon dioxide emissions. Right. That's when we really started to screw with the atmosphere. Exactly. And it conveniently corresponds, not not clearly coincidentally, uh, to the start of accelerated population growth. Mm-hmm. So we start getting better at industry. We start having more babies because, well, we can. We can feed them. And then finally, the third proposal is the Great Acceleration. So this is mid-20th century, and it's the acceleration of all previous changes. Land use, carbon dioxide emissions... You add into the fact that we can now create artificial fertilizers for our food through nitrogen fixation, and population is urbanizing, and industry is becoming globalized. In this recent study, out of the 38 authors on it, 26 of them agreed that this great acceleration is the time that we should start the Anthropocene. Okay. And they, in fact, here's the neat little detail, they agreed on a date. Oh, wow, consensus. They agreed on July 16th, 1945, at 5.30 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> plus or minus two seconds in the mountain time zone. Wow. So that is absurdly specific. So here's the question, Jesse. Here's a bit of trivia. What happened then? What was the date? So the date was July 16th, 1945, yeah. at 19... 5.30 a.m. 45? What happened in 1945? I've, I have absolutely no idea. So I think another clue is it was in the mountain time zone of North America. Specifically in the New Mexico desert. Something exploded? Something exploded. It was the first ever atomic bomb. Oh, when they were doing the testing. It was the Trinity test. Okay. Exactly. So it was the first time we'd ever blown up something of that scale. (laughs) It was the test that led the lead scientist, Robert Oppenheimer, to say his famous quote. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So not only was that a big historically significant event, 
Mm -hmm. It also was very geologically significant because for the first time ever, we created, distributed, and deposited a very particular isotope known as cesium-137 all over the world. Right. And there are no natural sources of this isotope. Wow. So in the geologic record, we created this hard boundary on July 16th, 1945. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And not only did we create this boundary, we were sure to enforce it. Because since then, well, at least until 1988, we set off an atomic bomb, an average of once every 9.6 days. Holy cow. Yeah. I, where, where did all of those happen? What is going on there? Everywhere. Everywhere. We set off atomic bomb tests all over the world. We couldn't get enough of them. I had no idea there were that many. So what's the total number? 2,053. Holy tamale. Yeah, that's a lot of them. And those are, of course, all over the world. And it took a few years to get going because, of course, the U.S. was the first one with this. Uh-huh. And it took a few years to actually, you know, get going and become a global signal. But uh, they've settled on July 16th, 1945 as the turning point in our planet. Very cool. Yeah. So now we're in the Anthropocene. Now we're in the Anthropocene. And it actually, it, it begs a cool question. And this is something that I really like to think about. Maybe it's because I'm kind of weird, but I'd like to throw it out to our listeners and see what people (laughs) think of it. Okay. So if you were an alien geologist from the future, Mm -hmm. you came to Earth. It was millions of years since the last human. So all of our cities had eroded. All those were gone and taken over by natural processes. Mm -hmm. How would you look for signs of ancient humans on Earth? Would we leave a trace? Millions of years into the future, after all our buildings are gone, what would we leave? That's a very interesting question. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I mean, clearly, if we threw an isotope out into the environment that was never there before, that's yeah. a pretty good indicator that something came along and really screwed with nature. Exactly. Hmm. That's really cool, Lucas. Thanks. So let's move on to a pretty interesting story involving mind reading and rats. Whoa. What? <laughs> yeah, that's... What? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a pretty interesting idea here because scientists were literally able to read the minds of rats. They're thinking about food, aren't they? <laughs> there is absolutely food involved. They are definitely thinking about food. There we go. So this is a study that was just published in Nature under the very accurate but completely difficult to understand name Selective corticostriatal plasticity during acquisition of an auditory discrimination task. Whoa. So what this actually means is that researchers taught a couple of different tasks to a groups of rats. Then they killed the rats. Oh. Which is really a shame. But after they killed them, they cut their brains into little slices and were actually able to, by looking at the physical structure of the brain, determine which task they had taught the rats to do. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So what sort of tasks were they teaching? Well, as you said, we were talking about rats, so this is definitely going to involve food. Right. The researchers built a box that had three holes the rats could stick their snouts into. Okay. In the center hole, the rats were played a tone. It was either a high tone or a low tone. All right. And then, depending on the tone, they received food from either the left or the right hole. Okay. So, like, a high tone or a low tone would indicate which hole they're supposed to go to? Exactly. So the first group of rats were taught that if they heard a high tone, 
they'd get the food from the left, and if they heard a low tone, they'd get the food from the right. The second group of rats were taught the exact opposite of that, that if they heard a high tone, they should go right for food, and if they heard a low tone, they should go left. Okay. So the tasks were exactly the same, except the tones and directions were flipped for each group of rats. So when the researchers killed the rats and looked at their brains, what they found was that there was this gradient of neurons in an area of the brain called the auditory striatum that clearly indicated whether the rats were from group A or group B. Oh, so they could predict which group they were from? Exactly, and they didn't even expect that it would be this accurate, but they were able to predict with 100% accuracy by looking at the brains of, of the rats which group they had come from. Whoa, it changed them that much. It changed them a lot. One thing that helped with this is that the researchers knew exactly where to look. This was the same team of researchers that in previous work had discovered that activity in specific populations of neurons was crucial for the rats to perform this task. So they knew where and what to look for. Another thing that's really important to this is that this is following a relatively simple neural path. Obviously, the brain is complicated. Uh, and there's no way of getting around that. But there's no reasoning or puzzle solving or little rat logic that's happening here. It's very simple. It's just translating a sound cue, a higher low pitch sound, into behavior either going left or right. Because of this, the scientists were actually able to isolate that area. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So in further work, they want to try and move on to more complex sensory areas of the brain. Uh, they want to look at vision next, which has a lot more data. Yeah. Okay, what's the road path for this research? What's the eventual goal with this work? I didn't find any specific roadmap, but I definitely see huge implications in the future here for actually being able to look at someone's brain either through a brain scan or looking at the brain of a dead body and being able to determine what that person actually knew. This is obviously stretching the, the research quite a bit, but we can imagine based on this that perhaps well in the future, we might be able to determine whether or not someone who is dead knew how to ride a bike. Right. Or did not know how to ride a bike by looking at an area of their brain. And that's just one random example out of many. It could be maybe we can tell what language somebody knows. We really have no idea. We're only looking at rats now and on one very simple task. Human brains are a lot more complicated. Right. We knew the murderer was on a bike and now the <laughs> suspect's dead. The only way to figure it out is, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, there you go. It already does sound like, you know, the next detective show where we've got the quirky detective who, uh, instead of being psychic or having OCD, actually cuts people's heads open to figure out what they're thinking. Well, that's creepy. <laughs> so I think this is pretty cool research. Um, that that really is mind-blowing that, <laughs> that something so simple can actually have a physical change in a rat's brain yeah i think it's really incredible and yeah. for the most part this was actually pretty well reported in the media okay the most linked to story was from a site called health canal and their headline was mind readers scientists crack a piece of the neural code for learning and memory which is a pretty accurate description of what this is yeah the times kind of screwed up their headline they said scientists find where the brain stores memories eh. which is not at all what happened here. We already have some idea of what areas of the brain store memories in humans. We don't understand it very well. That's not what they found even in rats. We, don't, we do not know where rats store memories. What we do know is where they store the specific information for this particular task. 
So a bit of an exaggeration there. Absolutely. Cool, cool. Thanks, Jesse. Well, that's it for this week. We've got links to all the studies we discussed and more in this episode's show notes and at doubleblindscience.com. Hopefully you've enjoyed our adventure into this week's news. Check back next week for two new and exciting stories. Do you have a story idea for us? Maybe a headline that seems a little too good to be true or something that's just not explained clearly enough? Give us a shout. Stories at doubleblindscience.com or on this new thing called Twitter. We've got an account at doubleblindsci, doubleblindsci. Follow us on Twitter because it's less creepy than following us in real life.